Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And good afternoon to you, Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sean Carey back in with you. Steve on his way in to the Sunbury Motor Studio as we speak. And of course, our Monday edition of the Steve Jones Show, always brought to you by our great friends at Purdy Insurance in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. When was the last time you checked your policy? Are you completely covered? Maybe some things you, you know, need to modify to make sure you get the best coverage. And, of course, the best possible price, Purdy Insurance. They do all the hard lifting for you. Make sure that, uh, you know, when you have that little situation in life that pops up, they will go to bat and uh, go the extra mile. So go to purdyinsurance.com for more information. And, of course, uh, we invite you also to go to the annual Truman H. Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament since today is the first day of spring perfect excuse to talk about golf wednesday may the 3rd will be the annual event of course that's to benefit the greater susquehanna valley ymcas and you can call the y in sunbury at 570-286-5636 to secure your spot spot for the golf golf tournaments we had a power outage sorry oh so not <laughs> so I, whatever it's one of those that no you just hit the reset button and wait for it to power back up and yeah no <laughs> it, yeah it's it's one of those where like the power goes out for 30 seconds like in all likelihood it was probably a squirrel <laughs> and i mean literally uh you know because they have the power stations every once in a while a squirrel gets there and in, in there and suddenly an entire area is knocked out things can get a little squirrely <laughs> yes uh, like my goodness who's running this show <laughs> well welcome back um that was bermuda Oh, pretty good. <laughs> Bermuda for me was uh, hanging out with my wrestling buddies and watching just nonstop Penn State wrestling from Thursday to Saturday night, and uh, it was an absolute blast. So, well, here is uh, I'll get into that. I'll get into that to start out with. This is obviously, and it, it doesn't take a genius to call it the preeminent wrestling program in the country. We've, we've known that for years now to win six out of seven national championships is the kind of Iowa role that we saw in the 80s and 90s with Dan Gable. It is the destination program in wrestling. And to do what they did, it is the fourth time in NCAA wrestling history that one school has had has crowned five individual champions. Iowa's done it twice, and Oklahoma State's done it once, and now Penn State's done it. 
this was this may be the greatest team he's had because who knows what Suriano would have done if healthy. Who knows? Who knows how many points they really would have scored? They could have broken the scoring record with him in the lineup healthy. And that bracket at 125 opened up, didn't it? <laughs> it was interesting. But there's a style that they wrestle that advances the sport versus a continuing style that sets the sport back. Penn State has... Now, now what's interesting is you, know, you heard in, in all the interviews with Quint Kesnick, and I... I Quint is one of the really great guys. Quint is a really good sideline reporter for football, really good for basketball, does a great job in lacrosse, and uh, dabbles in the horse racing area a little bit. So I got to know him a little bit through Dick Girardi. Uh, in the interviews with Quint Kesnick, they kept talking about, oh, you know, look, it's fun. We talk about the fun. Coach Sanderson talks about it says they go have fun. I've had people mention that all the time. Look, there's a bottom line. When you're winning, it's fun. Okay? Did Jimmy Goulibon and Nick Nevels have as much fun as the five guys that won? Doubt it. Uh, but But the have fun mentality is, look, you've done all the hard work. Just go out now and just have some fun and, and wrestle. Just like have some fun, play the game. And that's invaluable. But Penn State has a go for it mentality on the mat that is at that is not only a winning mentality, but it is an entertaining mentality. It advances the sport. What I noticed in watching so many other bouts during the course of the days of the of the NCAA championship. I felt the same way when I watched some of the Big Ten Championship. Is too many programs wrestle not to lose. Penn State wrestles to win. That's the difference. Doesn't always work out. I'll give you a good example. Big Ten's Bo Nickel. Hey, ended up losing in the semifinals. But it's not because Bo Nickel was wrestling to lose. Bo Nickel lost because in attempting the big move to win, it didn't work. Sometimes it doesn't work. But I give him all the credit in the world for trying to do something big to win. Doesn't mean they're always smart. But I give him all the credit in the world for trying to do something big to win. Penn State wrestles to win. Penn State does not wrestle not to lose. And that's the difference between Penn State wrestling and everybody else. They have the coaching. They have the talent. But part of the coaching of that talent is don't be afraid. Go for it. Don't wrestle not to lose. And one wrestling match after another, all I watched were people just wrestling not to lose until I saw the Penn State kids. Jimmy Gulliban, hey, was it a completely successful thing for him? No. Ended up being an All-American, but he was always out there trying to do something to win. Uh, Nick Nevels, 
Same thing. Always trying to do something to win. Matt McCutcheon, always trying to come up with a move to win. Was it the right moment, the right time, or was the other guy just better, too talented? Okay. Look, I understand counters, the whole deal. But too often I see wrestling from other programs where they're trying not to lose. Uh, Bo Nickel. Okay? Bo Nickel's out there. They saved it for the last one, right? They saved it for the last one. And Bo Nickel kept trying to do this, trying to... Okay. Kitty's going against... Okay? Literally did nothing for seven minutes. Nothing. Very few people does that style work for. Kyle Dake it worked for. Okay? It worked for Kyle Dake. Good counter, not a great offensive machine. Penn State wins, they go for it, and they're entertaining. They are entertaining as they do it. They advance the sport, but they can't keep being the only ones that advance the sport. Somehow, some way, and I don't know, I think one of the problems that we have right now, which is really great for Penn State, but maybe overall in the sport it's not great, is this. What's great for Penn State is Cale Sanderson has kept his staff together. That's awesome for Penn State. Maybe overall in the sport is that there's not a Cale Sanderson coaching tree out there right now where that go-for-it mentality translates into other programs across the country. Because I saw too much, when I watched, too much wrestling not to lose. And that does not advance the sport. Penn State advances the sport. (laughs) Absolutely. Because guess what? Not only are they wrestling to win, they want to make the big move. They want to be the aggressor. How often do you ever hear Penn State call for stalling? I mean, my goodness. I mean, the only time that a Penn State wrestler is not moving forward is when they're backing up to take off the ankle bracelet, they hand it when they're done. We'll talk about the hockey championship in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. All right. It was probably the greatest wrestling performance in Penn State history that crowned five champions in five consecutive bouts and to win without Suriano in an absolute rout, you can argue it's the greatest wrestling performance by Penn State ever in what has been a truly incredible, legendary run for Penn State wrestling. Now let's flip it to another sport. Completely different. That's hockey. Think of this. Cale Sanderson took over a program, and when he won his first national title, I believe he brought 10 wrestlers to the Nationals that year. And of the 10 he had, five were Cale Sanderson recruits and five were Troy Sunderland recruits. It wasn't as if 
He did not take over a program that was not ranked in the top 10 to top 15. He did, and then took it to a a Gable-esque era of Penn State wrestling. He deserves all the credit in the world for that, where he has made Penn State the destination for anybody thinking about advancing their life in wrestling. That's what Cale Sanderson has done at Penn State, and his staff, and the wrestlers. Great talent combined with great coaching, great attitude, and a great culture. You saw in all the interviews with Quint Kesnick, that culture, that oneness in the room, that oneness with the coach, the oneness with the program on display in all the interviews that Quint Kesnick had with Penn State's wrestlers. Now let's go to Guy Godowski. A completely different challenge than Cale Sanderson. Guy Godowski had to start an expansion team. Now, it's not an expansion team in the professional sense. The Vegas Golden Knights, for example, in June will be part of an expansion draft where each one of the other 30 NHL teams must put available names on a list for the Vegas Golden Knights to then take and form a team and start playing next year. Instead, Guy Godowski, knowing that the Pagula Ice Arena was going to be built, knowing that Penn State was making the transition from club to Division One hockey, which is a chasm, too many people around here during the club hockey days said, oh, man, we could compete with it. Like, Are you kidding me? I'd sit there and go, do you know what you're, what you're talking about here? From club hockey to playing the Boston universities of the world? Ever been to the bean pot? Okay. You realize how much faster they are? That's for another day. So essentially what they handed Guy Godowski were certain advantages. The advantages were Pagula Isorin, gigantic advantage. Untapped potential. Okay. Gigantic. The name, brand name Penn State behind it. And then eventually the Big Ten Conference, and a television package with BTN. But he also started out with a blank sheet of paper. Guy Godowski being coaching the club team his first season here at Greenberg. And slowly but surely built the program, slowly but surely built the schedule, slowly but surely got them to this point. It's five quick years, which probably at times to him seemed like 50. But he got the Casey Baileys into the program. He got McAdam into the program. He got a lot of really, really good players into the program. And slowly built the depth of the program. And then this season, just five years into being a Division I program, they are the number nine overall seed in the NCAAs, and they won the Big Ten Championship. And they had to play 13 periods of hockey to do it. The faceless opponent is always fatigue. Okay, That's the faceless opponent in the third period of a rugged NCAA wrestling tournament. It's the faceless opponent in the second overtime 
on the third consecutive day right after you had just played a double overtime game the night before. That's the faceless opponent. And they easily defeated the faceless opponent because they just kept playing. They had a goalie that kept it in it, in Peyton Jones. And instead of a Dennis Smirnoff or a Vince Pedri, it was Folk who came out of nowhere and he became the star scorer. To show you the depth of the program. What Guy Godowski, his staff, and Guy will be the first one, he'll tell you the arena is great. He'll tell you that the kids are great. He'll tell you his staff is great. He'll tell you that the administration's been great. He'll tell you that the arena not only is great, but the student section's been unbelievable. He'll give everything else credit and never talks about himself. Never. But he is the architect of this. Because it's his culture that he put in place. It's his vision he put in place. It's He's the one that said, let's bring in this person, let's bring in that person. Now, other people have to work hard and do the legwork. But still, it's his vision that created this. The Pagulas gave the money for the arraignment, the endowment of the program, everything like that. Okay? But you have to have somebody do something with it. And he started with a blank sheet of paper. And in five years, he has created an artwork that has put them into the NCAA tournament. That's a remarkable story. What Penn State Wrestling has done is a remarkable story of dominance. Because Penn State Wrestling, instead of saying Penn State or PSU across the five miles, will just put a target. Because Penn State's going to be the biggest matchup for anybody, anywhere they go, anytime. And every Penn State wrestler is going to fall into that category. And the fact that they're able to come through over and over and over again tells you how great they are and how well coached they are. What Guy Godowski has done, starting with a blank sheet of paper, and in five years, get them to the NCAAs with a Big Ten Tournament Championship is also incredibly remarkable in its own way, shape, and form. December 3rd was awesome. Saturday was the best night around here since December 3rd. Sunbury Motors Lincoln continues to satisfy the most discerning buyer by making American luxury affordable. If you are looking for a midsize SUV, the Lincoln MKX has to be on your list. Sunbury Motors Lincoln has a brand new 2016 Black Velvet MKX all-wheel drive with navigation and panoramic Vista roof with an MSRP of $48,640 for only $43,352. That's $5,288 in savings. You can choose from 12 MKXs in stock now. Sunbury Motors Lincoln has five 2017 Lincoln Continentals in stock, ready for the test drive of your life. The 2017 Continental won the coveted 2017 AutoGuide.com Reader's Choice Luxury Car of the Year Award. Sunbury Motors has a 2017 Continental with an MSRP of 48315 discounted to 46315 Now is the time to see why more people are realizing they can move up to a brand new Lincoln from Sunbury Motors Lincoln in the North Force 
Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. If you're not insured with the Purdy Insurance Agency, you may not be getting the most out of your insurance coverage. Locally owned and family operated for over 90 years, the experienced team at Purdy will compare your rates and coverage among a number of nationally recognized insurers to make sure you're getting the most out of your insurance dollars. And once you join the Purdy family of customers, you'll experience service and claims handling that's second to none. Call 1-800-677-2478 to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades because they get it. The customer comes first. So if you go to them, they want to find you the right insurance, the right price. They know you have a budget. They want to make sure you're covered, though. And if something happens, they jump on that claim, and they are your greatest advocate. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. I'm in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Matt Leon in a few moments from Philadelphia. Donnie Collins next uh, half hour. And our play-by-play call today will be a double-barrel one today. You're going to love it. I'm playing it from here, Sean. You are not playing it there. Okay. 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 1897, this day in sports history, the first intercollegiate basketball game that used five players per team was held. Yale beat Penn 32 to 10. I really liked Yale in that spot. I really did. I mean, you could just tell. 1948, the University of Michigan beat Dartmouth to win the first NCAA men's hockey championship. 1968. Name for me the first center in NBA history to lead the league in assists. Go ahead. Will Chamberlain. 8.6 assists per game. He won the NBA assist title. Uh, let's see. 1971, for the first time in NHL history, two brothers faced off against each other in goal. Ken Dryden for the Montreal Canadiens and Dave Dryden for the Buffalo Sabres. Ken won it 5-2. 1989, it was announced that Cincinnati Reds manager Pete Rose was under investigation. Hmm. I wonder for what. 1990, the Lakers retired Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's number 33. I would hope so. How good was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? He led the Milwaukee Bucks to the NBA title in his second year. How good do you have to be to do that? The Bucks, I think, were in their third year of existence. <laughs> That's how good he was. Yeah, they picked up Oscar Robertson. Yeah, they had Flynn Robinson. They had John McLaughlin, but... They had John McLaughlin, but they had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And uh, 2005, LeBron James, youngest player at the age of 20, to score 50 points at a game, he had 56. Cavaliers lost to the Toronto Raptors, 105-98. The 56-point performance by James was a franchise record. That is this day in sports history. Time now to bring in Matt Leon. Matt uh, from Philadelphia. Matt, uh, when Dick Girardi talked with Jay Wright, Jay said, he says, I'll tell you right now, I'm not really that crazy about seeing Wisconsin as a second-round matchup. He said, they're misseeded. I mean, it concerned him right away. Watching it play out at first Niagara, 
on Saturday. What ran through your mind? And I would actually go, it's interesting you use the word comfortable. I didn't think Villanova looked comfortable the whole weekend, starting with the Mount St. Mary's game. They ended up winning by 20, but they came out and they played tight at the beginning. I think they missed their first eight shots in that one. Uh, yeah, they eventually won because they were bigger, faster, stronger, but they never played what you really would consider Villanova basketball for very long stretches, maybe with the exception of right out of the locker room when they grabbed control of the game. I uh, thought they ran into a Wisconsin team that was bigger and deeper uh, inside, and they ran into a Wisconsin team that has been there before. Uh, it was really, I think Wisconsin, you know, he probably falls into that Wichita State uh, list of teams that were woefully underseeded uh, in yeah. the NCAA tournament, and that was a very difficult draw for the second round uh, for Villanova. But I, Villanova played probably, I think, maybe a C-plus game. So Wisconsin won that game and deserved the game. I think there there are things to be said about the you know whether Wisconsin was a true eight seed and deserved to right. not be higher. But Wisconsin was the better team that day. But uh, I just I never thought they were comfortable. I just the whole tournament I just never watched them and I only saw glimpses at times of the Villanova team you saw. Uh, during the regular season. And Chris Jenkins' struggles from the perimeter really hurt them. And I think specifically at the end of the game, uh, you could, you, when they would normally probably run stuff for Chris Jenkins, I thought their offense got real stagnant their last few possessions. And it was just basically Josh Hart off the dribble and hope for the best. Right. Uh, I'll tell you exactly what Dick told Jay. And he told him straight out. He said, look, um, don't watch any of the regular season tapes. Only watch the Big Ten tournament tapes, and the reason he told them that was Nigel Hayes, because yep. not suddenly Nigel Hayes. And this is a bad way of phrasing it, but whatever slump he had been in during the season, he broke out of it in the Big Ten tournament, and started playing like he did in, re- in the last two years. He, to me, that was one of the biggest differences was that Hayes was a different player now than he was a month ago. No, absolutely. And, you know, you just, yeah, I think the thing that just keeps going through your head when you're watching that, like, this whole Wisconsin team, like, why were they in an 8-9 game? Uh, I know they did stumble this little end part of the regular season, but you just look at the parts, you look at the experience, you look at the pedigree, uh, you know, and I think now that, that bracket's wide open. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's crazy to think they could, they could get to the Final Four. I really don't. No, no, I, I agree with you. The Madison Square Garden part is a wide-open group. There's no question about that. I See, I would have flipped. When I looked at the bracket originally, I thought, gee, I would flip Maryland and Wisconsin and make Wisconsin the six and Maryland the eight because of the Chefkoski injury. And I think you've got to take that part into account where Maryland's a different team now without him. And that's why I would have moved them to an eight and made Wisconsin a six because they got to the conference tournament championship game and they started playing like a team that's been through it before. Yeah, no, and I think uh, I think the committee did a good job with the field overall as far as the 68 teams that got in. I don't think there were many teams that you looked at and said, I can't believe Team X didn't get to the NCAA tournament. Right. Where they really failed this year, and I think it was glaring, was where they put these teams. And, uh, you know, doing some research, it's it sounds like they're using some some pretty not so much outdated, but they're not using the uh, best metrics available to them when they put a lot of this stuff together. And I think it's uh, it's starting to really show. And I also, and this is just based on my opinion and watching the last couple of years, it seems to me they work really hard to put 
difficult mid-major teams against each other early on so that uh, they only one of them can advance. I've noticed that the last couple of years, you know, specifically I look at the Dayton-Wichita State game. That, uh, you know, yes. that, that 710, you know, th- those two teams shouldn't have to face each other in the first round. And I've noticed that, uh, a couple of years back. I actually was tempted, and I haven't had time yet, to go back and look at the bracket from last year, because we tend to forget year to year what the matchups looked like. Because uh, I remember specifically, I think it was last year, where a couple of the matches just jumped out at me like, wow, they're, they're really working hard to make sure that the, the CAA and the Valley don't get teams going too far because they have to play each other early on. Uh, whether Could that be coincidence? Absolutely. The cynic in me tells me that uh, they want to make sure that there's no nonsense uh, and that the power conferences are protected. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you an example that could feed into your theory. And that is this. When Butler and VCU played in the Final Four, I think it was in Indianapolis, they played in the semifinals. Television ratings, now this is before TBS last year, the mm. television ratings for that game were the lowest in a Final Four game. And I think they're trying to, my opinion is, if your theory holds weight to it, then that may play into it because they're trying to avoid that kind of matchup in the Final Four. They want they want name recognition and chalk there, at least on one side. No, and you're, you're probably right. I mean, we all know that the dollar dictates everything. So it is very possible if there is something there that that's what, that's what drives it. In fact, I'm, I'm almost positive that's what drives it. I'm sure it's not done out of a... Uh, a bias towards smaller schools. It's done to, you know, make sure that the the marquee teams that drive merchandising, that drive ratings, that drive money are there. All right. Um, very quickly, uh, the Phillies, of course, are down. It's spring training. Um, any storylines of interest? Uh, Jeremy Hellickson will be your opening day starter. No surprise there. Uh, but honestly, it, it's so far kind of playing out how you thought. They're getting, it's, it's looking like the starting pitching is rounding into form and they should be able to, to throw an arm at you every day that's going to keep you in the game. But once again, I think, uh, much like in spring training, like last year in the regular season, uh, runs can be a struggle for them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. You don't want to put too much stock into spring training as far as, uh, you know, struggling offense because you don't have guys hitting and playing consistently. But uh, that, that's where it's got to step up. And, and so far, you really haven't seen anything this spring that leads you to believe that the lineup is significantly better from last year. But uh, we'll see once the games start to count. One final question back to college basketball. What is your new Final Four? <laughs> Everybody has to have a new one now. <laughs> like I said, I you know looking at what's left there, I would lean Wisconsin, uh, and I like Kansas and North Carolina, and I like Arizona, and I think it'll be an Arizona-Gonzaga uh, final in that region, okay. and uh, I like Arizona. All right. And as spoken on high, we'll find out how correct you are on Monday. Or, Absolutely. Or if you don't mind, we'll conveniently forget and go to a new series of questions. <laughs> that that's gotten me this far in my career. So same here. Uh, okay. Look look at the hand. <laughs> look at the hand. <laughs> Matt, thanks so much. Appreciate it, my friend. All right. Thank you. Take care. Matt Leon from Philadelphia. Next half hour, Donnie Collins. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury on News Radio ten seventy WKOK.
Okay, uh, hockey will take on Union in a 2-3 matchup in Cincinnati on Saturday at 4.30. Penn State's the number nine overall seed in this tournament. Remarkable. Uh, wrestling season is over and over in dramatic fashion after what may be the single greatest performance in Penn State wrestling history, which, of course, is a glorious history. That includes seven national championships and winning six of the last seven. Now, let's never forget the 1953 one. Uh, and what a great weekend. Uh, for Penn State fans, the greatest weekend they've had since December 3rd. You know, like December 3rd, that was the night of the Big Ten championship game. I sense people were pretty excited that night. We were, we were. Yes. One thing is for sure, though. I don't think my, uh, I don't think my seating on the uh, wrestling season ticket list for Rec Hall. I don't think I, <laughs> I'm not moving up on that list anytime soon. No, <laughs> no. no, I don't think so. No, <laughs> wishful thinking. Well, you know what? They've done a great job. They priced it right, and. Uh, You have to avoid, one thing you need to avoid, I think you need to be smart about this. You need to be taught lessons from other areas. To me, an important lesson on Penn State wrestling is UConn women's basketball. They priced themselves out of the market and then saw a decline in attendance. Um, Everybody's got to see them. And all of a sudden, it's like, uh, I mean, at one one point, I think UConn women's basketball tickets were $22 a shot. Really? And the first time you really got a sense for that was they kept holding, for obvious reasons, the Big East tournament kept being played when they were in the Big East in Hartford. And so they would sell all these all-session tickets, and like the first year, you know, everybody bought all those all-session tickets so to guarantee they could go to UConn women's basketball. Finally, everybody's like, I'm not doing that. And it suddenly got cut in half, got cut more, got cut more. It was like, okay. Because people looked around and said, I'm not doing that. You got to, you know, so you got to be smart about it. You got to understand you're not, you're not there to make money with it. You're, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. And that was a valuable lesson at UConn women's basketball. I mean, this, and they were backed up at the time by a million dollar a year. Public television um, TV contract, which then, when they did a grant of rights, they then lost and then, believe it or not, threw them into a losing category financially. Uh, Dick uh, was at the NCAA wrestling championships. He watched the excitement of Penn State and watched a whole bunch of other people attempt not to lose. It was excellent. It it was, and I've been to more than one, maybe five, six, and it was the probably the most uh, the best one for Penn State, obviously, and one of the more intense ones. And uh, it, I literally, I I actually got to talk to Kale Sanderson a short for a short time, and I told him literally this was a perfect storm for Penn State. I mean, yeah, you couldn't have, you could have scripted it anything better than this. Uh, I mean, guys lost that should have lost ahead of them, and so some of the matchups weren't weren't necessarily the way they would have been on paper, but it was excellent. And I want to tell you a little story. You know, they always have a Penn State celebration, and this was the best one I've ever been to. And for and and just a difference in how how Coach Sanderson is compared to three or four or five years ago. You could not get him to stop talking. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> there. 
I'm here. I'm listening. Uh, oh yeah. Anyhow, yeah. When he came <laughs> you spend, in, you know, you spend he, all you spend all your time listening to me. It's okay when I listen to you. Oh uh, yeah, but but I just thought it was kind of interesting because several years ago, I, Oklahoma City, you know, he came he came into the room and there's a large crowd and it's late because he's got a lot of different commitments to do before he even gets over there with the wrestlers. And so he comes in a few years ago, and he's, you know him, I'm sure you know him quite well. He's, he's not a very talkative guy at times. And, then, and, you know, and he comes into this room, and the first thing he says is, I don't have a lot to say. And 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later or so, he's still kind of talking. <laughs> just, yeah. That's the difference. And in, 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 in he was just, if you, you know, a bullion. He just went on and on, and then he brought his wrestlers up and thanked literally everybody on this, everybody from Sandy Barber that was there to whoever. And it was neat. And the kids got up and talked. Some of them talked a little bit. Some talked to not much at all. But it was very, very, it was it was probably the best reception I've ever been to in that sense. But they had a lot to celebrate. The rest they of them was excellent. Have, they did have a lot of, to celebrate. And the Cale Sanderson, I know what I've always really liked about him above everything is that he's been great his entire life at this. And he has no ego. He's just a down-to-earth, regular guy who's really great at what he does. I mean, and he appreciates anything. And he appreciates everything around him, and he appreciates other people who are good at what they do. Yeah, there, there was nothing about me. Everything was about us or the wrestlers, and it was it was kind of neat. He literally. You know, he pretty much says, "I stand back and get out of their way right now." My staff, he said, "I couldn't, you couldn't find a better staff in coaching and wrestling, and the and the, the support staff he gets from everybody." So literally, yeah. I'm not sure where it's going to end. I don't know that it could happen again. You know, several weeks ago, I we talked kind of talked about this. I hope it. You know what, Connecticut women's basketball is kind of like done to that sport. I don't know that that'll ever happen in wrestling because there's there's some other good programs out there. I mean, I'm hoping it won't reach that point. I guess as, as well, much as I like Penn State to win, I just don't. <laughs> you know what? You know what's interesting? What does Kale Sanderson's staff have in common with Gino Oriema's staff? Nobody's uh, ever left. Continuity. Yeah, nobody's ever left. So there is no Gino Oriema coaching tree in women's basketball, which brings that style, brings that thought process into another program. In wrestling... Same story. Kale has kept his staff together, and there's no idea. I mean, there's no inkling anybody's going to leave. And because of that, that entertaining go-for-it style that is preached here is not getting preached other places. Because I'm sure you watched a lot of very, very dull wrestling until Penn State got out there and went for it. Because Penn State wrestles to win. Most others wrestle not to lose. You're you're right about that. Uh, Yeah, they're not tentative. But you, you can bring up John Wooten with the UCLA program years and years ago, how how, how efficient they were and how they won so, right. so often. You know, it took a while for somebody to get to that level. So it took Wooden. Wooden was a coach, I think, what, 12, 13 years before he won a national title. Then once he started winning, nobody could stop him. Yeah. But anyhow, it was great, Steve. It really was. Uh, anybody that was there enjoyed it. Well, anybody that was there enjoyed it if they were a Penn State fan. I'll put it, <laughs> put it well, that way. Hang nothing in like and, it I've ever seen. Hang in and listen to our play-by-play call of the day. I think you're going to like it. Thanks, Steve. Bye. Thank you, Dick. And that play-by-play call of the day coming up after the news, which is next on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance.
Your home for the Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. This is WKOK Sunbury.